Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning, we're starting with, uh, with uh, no, we're starting, we're continuing with a series called Watch Your Status. And last week, we, we, started, a ser- uh, we started the series with marriage. Who of you were here? And who of you remember that it was a powerful message from Pastor Chris? He, he started off quite strong, but somewhere he made some funny comments um, as we went along the way. Um, he really made me, made me laugh, and even in the evening. So sorry, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Philip. Um, I serve mostly behind the scenes and especially in the evening services where I have most of my attention focused. And so I'm excited to be here um, this morning. I couldn't believe how dependent I am upon technology um, until this moment my stuff is not opening. There we go. All right, so this morning we're starting, uh, we're continuing with a topic in a relationship. In a relationship. Now, normally when you think of this topic, in a relationship, you think that here's a message coming on the do's and don'ts of relationship. This is what you should be doing. This is what you shouldn't be doing. This is where you should keep away. This is what you should. And it's all these do's and don'ts. But I don't believe that we have a problem knowing the do's and don'ts. I think we are facing... uh, uh, we are facing the problem of knowing how to start a relationship with the end in mind. So this morning we're going to answer the question is, how do you start a relationship with the end in mind? And so maybe you're sitting in, you're you're single and you think, man, this is irrelevant for me. This is relevant for you. And if you're in a courtship relationship, meaning you're dating, you and someone have agreed to walk together, This message is for you. If you are married, this message is especially for you because if you do not disciple the next generation, we are handing them over to be discipled by the world. So it is so important for you as a married person, as an elderly person in this church, to take charge of the next generation, to shape them. Because for most of my life, I was shaped by the world. When I came into a courtship relationship with my wife now, I was in the world. I knew the things of the world. I knew how to do it like the world. It's because there were not someone taking me, not someone pressing into my life, discipling me, showing me what should this whole thing be about. So if you want to know how to start the relationship with the end in mind, because see, if you're married... Well, you're an elderly person, you're going to need to know how to help the next generation. So they know what to do and what not to do. But there's something missing that we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to discuss four points. What is the importance of starting with the end in mind? What is the importance of starting with the end in mind? What is the big picture? What is the big picture of courtship, of relationships? Or maybe of and marriage as well. But what is the big picture? What is the thing that comes and destroys it? And what is the golden rule to keeping your relationship golden? 
What is the golden rule to keep you as a single golden? What is the golden rule to keeping you in your courtship relationship golden? And what is the golden rule to keep you in your marriage relationship golden? What is it? And I know you want to know the answer. It's coming. So we're starting this morning with what is the, what is, what is the importance of starting with Proverbs 29 verse 18 says to us, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. So where there is no prophetic vision, it means where there is no dream, where there is no revelation, where there is no end goal, the people cast off restraint, meaning they let go. They perish. They let loose. They cannot keep control of working to the vision. So where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but where there is prophetic vision, where there is a vision, where there is a dream, where there is an end goal, you cannot cast off restraint. You will not lose focus. So how does this apply? Who have you planned? Who have you planned your life, your business? Um, who have you planned? Who have you planned your school? You plan everything. So when you plan, this is normally how it works. You have this vision. You have the big picture. So when you have the big picture, you move, the, you take the big picture and you work it backwards up to the starting point, right? So that we have this vision. So any business, any church, any individual life, any nation should have a vision because otherwise they don't know what they're working towards. So you have this vision, you work it back and to the starting point. The most important part to working back is then the execution of the vision. So executing what you have planned. And imagine that's the same way when it comes to relationships. When it comes to relationships, there should be a mutual vision. There should be a vision of where this thing is heading. Where is it going? What is the clear, do you have a clear understanding of the destination? Do you know where is it going? Do you know what you should be doing to get yourself there. I remember when I started, before I started dating uh, Joanna, um, we, met, we met on a mission. I was planting a church in Lesotho and we met on a mission. And, and I have criteria. Man, I'm a man of standards. I, I want to make sure that she's up to standard. And so I, the, fact that she, the fact that she came to the mission was a tick on my boxes. The fact that she was serving in church was a tick on my boxes. The fact that she was in a connect group, she was making disciples, was a tick in my box. The fact that she was reading and praying was a tick because I know where I'm going. And I need to know who I'm taking along with me to get there. So that, and, and, and as we continued, um, so that's what I met. I met her and, and I started asking out about her. And man, it's such a coincidence how we met, not how we met, but how we exchanged numbers. We exchanged numbers for only this reason. It's because her phone died. We were on a mission. So a mission, that's not me and her. A mission is about 15 to 20 people. <laughs> so we are 15 to 20 people. It's the first time I see this mission groups. They were support missions to the plant. And her phone died. So she asked to borrow my phone to take photos. And then we exchanged numbers. So the moment we exchanged numbers, we started talking. And so I invited her to come with me to the World Conference. Come with us, come join us at the World Conference. And so all I know about her, she's from Namibia. She, she, she serves in church. Um, 
and that's it. And she studies quantity survey. That's all I knew. And I remember, so obviously the feelings and the things start developing as we continue. And this is, this is about two months that I'm talking. So we met in August. September, we started getting to know each other. October, we went to the World Conference. And I remember on the road, um, as, we, as we were driving, so obviously she was very in love with me um, already. Um, she was, she was, she cannot deny it. We both have our stories, but this is a true story. This is a true story. From the, from the pulpit, you never lie. So... And, and I remember she, she, she shares the stories, and, and what she does with the stories, she directs them. So she directs them, and she shares, and she shares, and then it ends up with marriage. So she, she makes us, like, she makes us engage in this. It was a game. So we play the game. You share, I share, you share. And we build it to a picture. And then it came to a point where, where we, at the World Conference, she stayed with us at the guest house, the team that we were with. We were not staying in the same room. Uh, we were staying at the same guest house, and, and I remember one night, or one day, uh, she woke up angry, because um, she was grumpy at the breakfast, and all these things, and we went to, to, the, to the place where the conference took place, and I asked her, you yeah, know, what's wrong? No, nothing's wrong. Uh, I, said, I, I can see clearly something is wrong, so what is wrong? It's like, okay, something is wrong. Are you happy now? And she left, and, and she she never, she never, never, she never um, spoke. We never spoke that day again. And that night, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to wait for her. I'm going to wait for her to come back from the conference. And we're going to talk about what happened today because we're not dating. I've never even mentioned my, any of my feelings. So <laughs> what on earth can you be angry about, about me? <laughs> like, we don't even have any connection. And, and so what happened is she sat down. She asked me, well, where, where, where are we going? Where, where's this thing going? I can feel it. Obviously, it, it's, it's evident there's something. So, but where is it going? And you see, the fact that she had to ask me was a mistake from my side. Because I'm supposed to lead it. I'm supposed to answer the questions. I'm supposed to open the conversations. And I said to her this. I said to her, said to her Joanna, so remember all I know about her. She's from Namibia. She studies QS. And she came to a mission. And I said to her, if this thing doesn't end in marriage, we won't start it. I don't know nothing about her. But if we don't start this thing with the vision of marriage, this thing will not be started. And she said to me, obvious. And then I said, then we can work together. <laughs> then I said, then we, can, then we can work together. If I know that we have a mutual vision, I know that we're heading to the same place, I can work with it. Because imagine Jesus asking you to come into a relationship with Him. And He cannot guarantee you eternal life. But it's the same what we do with relationships. We enter into relationships with no mutual vision. We don't know where it's heading. So if you, if you don't know where it's heading, here's the question. If you're dating or you want to date but you don't want to date for marriage... What will be your fill in the blank for dating? Why would you want to do it? What will be your fill in the blank? What would you put in and say, I am dating for what? For affection? For loneliness? For acceptance? For comfort? For pleasure? For the, I don't know what comes with it. But what would you be dating for? If you're not dating for the end goal. If you're not dating to get married. 
Now imagine Jesus says to you, I, I can call you into relationship, but I can't guarantee you eternal life. I don't think we would have sat here. I don't think we would have sat here. I don't think the, the whole reason we're in a relationship with Jesus is to one day stand in His presence. Is to one day get ourselves to the end. You see, when Abraham commanded his servant, I think it's Genesis 24, around there, he commanded his servant, he says, put your hand under my thigh. Promise me this. Make a covenant. I promise, vow me this, that you, will not, that you will go to my home country, fetch my son Isaac a wife. Do not take him a wife from the Canaanites. Who was the Canaanites? In our context, it's the unequally yoked. So do not get into a relationship with someone, if you call yourself, I'm part of the body of Christ, outside of the body of Christ. That's not for you. And whatever I explain next, cannot, the picture that I'm going to explain cannot be relevant to you. Because there's no mutual agreement. So imagine, now Abraham says to him, go and fetch my son a wife. He never told him, go and fetch him a date. Go and fetch him five wives so that he can come and test them all out and, and see which one he really likes. Because there's guys that do that. They have five different girls and, oh Lord, I, I don't know which one to choose. But they're not even supposed to have five. And they come with this, man, they have this charm about them. And this way of greeting and this way of smiling. And this way of getting you and, and actually fooling with our emotions. But they have no vision. They have no end goal. They have no direction. Say, this is where we go. I'll take you there. You see, it's very important that we start any relationship, courtship, dating, whatever you want to call it, with the end in mind. Because then, when that vision is established, it's difficult to cast off restraint. Imagine this church asked you to partner with us for that building, but we guaranteed you we build that, that building day by day. We have no plan. Day by day, we'll see how it goes. Who of us will partner? Who of us will pledge to give money? No one, but we have a vision. We have a vision. To, that, that, that picture is a vision, but we have a vision for that picture. We know what we want to achieve through that building. Therefore, we can work and we'll years and we'll stay on it. We'll keep on trusting the Lord to complete that course. We have a vision. We know what we're working towards. And that's exactly the same when it comes to relationships. But what is the big picture? And this is, this gets literally spoken of. Because when I think of, of courtship or relationships, I, I, I always hear the do's and the don'ts. Man, I know the do's and the don'ts. I know it. But there's something bigger than the do's and the don'ts. And there's something, if you can grasp this big picture, it will be more and more difficult for you to do the, not, the, the things you shouldn't be doing. You, you, you'll actually want to stop because there's this picture that's so big that it's worth not doing the things you shouldn't be doing. Let me give you the picture. Ephesians 5. I'm ESV. Husband, love your wife. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself 
sister without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. This is what it says. This is a profound mystery. And I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Christ and the church is what? Husband and wife. So everything on the previous verses reflects husband and wife. Go back. Here's the picture. Everything I'm saying is husband and wife. And this starts in courtship. Here's the first point. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Your first thing what you do when you enter into a courtship is you start giving up. You give up some time. You give up some friends. You give up some money. So you start giving up. You know, you, you set aside more. I'm spending more time with her, with him, than I'm doing with these people. So you do give up. There's a change. But see, ultimately, your life is demanding. When you move into the end picture, when you move into courtship, you're moving to a place where you're going to give up yourself. And see, relationships that currently, it says, I'm going in for what I can receive. But I want to tell you, if you do not start with this vision, if you don't start with this picture, that in courtship, you need to start giving. Because it continues with giving. You're going to continue on giving for the rest of your life. So if you go in self-centered, you're going to miss it. But you need to give up yourself. Why? That he might sanctify her. Men, you need to sanctify her. You need to make her holy. You need to get her to be a set apart for the Lord. It is your work. So even as in courtship, you got to start. So if you're not busy sanctifying yourself, who do you want to sanctify? How do you want to help this person with this big picture, because it's more than coffee dates. It's more than your ice cream. It's more than your movie nights. It is much more than that. The spiritual representation of it, it is big. And therefore it says that he might sanctify her, make her blameless. How does he do that? By the washing of the word. So if you're not spending time in the word, how would you want to wash? If you're married and you're not spending time in the Word, how do you want to help us as the next generation? Because it says that He sanctified her. See, when you go into a court, you're going to be sanctifying her. I fought, me and Joanna fought over sanctification. I fought for her sanctification. I knew what I want to achieve in her life. I knew that I want to present her before the Lord. One day I want to stand before the Lord and say, Father, here's my wife. Look at her. Blameless. She doesn't have a stain on her, Lord. And I'm presenting her to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to sanctify. You need to sanctify because you're going to present her. And then it continues and it says, the next one, you're going to nourish and cherish her. Or you're going to cherish and nourish her. You're going to nourish and cherish her. What does that mean? Nourish means you're going to build her up into maturity. You're going to get it to mature. You're going to get him to get to maturity. How are you going to do it? By cherishing. What is cherishing? By comfort. By love. A warmth. 
do you do that? Not by fighting and swinging at each other. It is by building up in maturity, building up with comfort, building up with love to see this picture. And I'm guarantee you this it's mostly spoken to married people. Correct. In its context, it's for married people. But this is what you're preparing for. This is what you're heading for. This is where you're going. And you see, the devil doesn't necessarily try to get you out of relationship he tries to destroy this picture he tries to let you go in self-centered he tries to get you to sin in it he tries to get you to not give up anything he tries you to get when when she does wrong or he does wrong no, it's him you're pointing accusations putting to the side but this is what he's trying to destroy this picture because you see when this picture is complete or when it when when we start doing this, what do people see? Jesus. Because it's Christ and the church. So when you're in a courtship, people got to look at you too and say, man, I'm, I'm seeing Jesus. We want to look at the, the marriages in this, in this congregation and say, what, Lord, we see Jesus. Lord, we can see you. You're so evident. You're here. And see, we want to set a standard. We want to set our own moral standards, our own feelings, what we think is right. And we want to say, Jesus, what are you saying? And we set it there. Say, we'll go for it. Because that picture, it's all about that picture that he gave himself up. He's sanctifying us as the church. To present us. And he nourishes and cherishes us. See, because the devil doesn't. He doesn't want to destroy your relationship. He wants to destroy the picture. He wants to destroy the picture. And this is conversations that you're going to have. If you're in a relationship, or you want to go into a relationship, or you're married and you need to help the next generation, you've got to ask, guys, do you know where you're hurting? Because, you know, when, when one opens the conversation, then the other one says, no, 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 you're too quick. You're forcing things. What on earth are you two doing together? If one wants to do this, one wants to do this. Two walk together. Two doesn't walk together unless they agree. So, so it, you'll direct conflict. Well, I can assure you, most of the times you're in that relationship for other benefits. Because if both of you are not moving towards the end goal, there's no mutual vision, then what is it? What are you doing? No, you're forcing it. You're rushing. I'm not saying get to marry tomorrow. I'm just saying let's talk about it. No, no, don't want it. And that happens. That happens. I remember when I got saved. When I got saved, I was in a relationship. And, 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 and I remember the pastor sat us down. Sat us down. He said, said to us, listen. He said to her, I got saved. said to her, if you're not going to follow his way, this thing was going to split up. He said it point blank. He says, if you guys are not going to get on the same path, you're not going to go the good way. And I remember it bothered me. And I was praying, Lord, let this thing end. 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 Let it end. I don't know how, but let it end. <laughs> and 
And I, and I, and I, I remember one day I got my courage together and I said to her, I used an illustration. I said, do you see there? Do you see me there? No, I take it day by day. No, done. If you cannot see me there, you're telling me whoever built a house saying, I'm going to take it day by day. Day by day, I'll see how I build this house. Day by day, I will craft a plan. Who does that? Who builds a company like that? Who builds a nation like that? Who builds a church like that? Cannot be built. Cannot be built. So the destroyer comes to destroy this picture. John 8 verse 44 says to us, you are, you, are your father, you are of your father the devil. He was talking to other guys. And your will is to do your father's desire. Murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Another translation says when he lies, he speaks his native language. It's who he is. My mic is coming off. Maybe I can use this one. Oh, give me a tree. Okay. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so the destroyer, it says that he speaks he's out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. What's the father's desires? The context here is sin. What does he want to get you to do? Sin. He wants you to fail to conform to the moral law of God. He wants you to fail. You see, picture so profound. Because the representation of relationships is so big that all he wants to get is for you to sin. We give him a win. See, when we live together, we give him a win. Sleep together, we give him a win. We give him the win. Please. We give him a win. him yeah we give him a win see we give him when you enter for the love and the affection and the, the good things the ice cream and the movies you're idolizing you're giving him a win you see now you're asking me but but full I, I i all those needs i i need them and i want to tell you all your needs all your desires are legitimate desires the devil wants you to meet those legitimate desires in an illegitimate way. He wants you to get those legitimate things. Your need for affection. Your need for love. Your need for appreciation. Your need for acceptance. He, it's fair and it's fine. But he wants you to meet it in illegitimate ways. He wants you to compromise. He wants you to start justifying. He lies. He deceives. So meaning he comes and he tells you, you're going to get married anyway. You need this. Do this for yourself. 
think of yourself. The Bible says, if you can't love yourself, how will you love your neighbor? So think of yourself first. And I want to tell you that's out of context. It didn't say that. It didn't say look after yourself first and then get out there. Those things were one sentence. Love yourself and get out. That's what the meaning was there. But that's what he does. He comes and he lies. He comes and deceives. Because it says that he comes and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy the picture. The end goal. See, because the moment he can get your peace... The moment he can take your peace, the moment he can get you guys to sin, you're no longer fighting towards the vision, you're fighting each other. There's no more peace in the midst of you because you lied and deceived. And guys, if you're a guy, you got to stand up. you got to protect. Because what happened in the Garden of Eve, Adam was passive. He was there. It says he stood there. He looked at what Eve doing. He looked at her taking the apple, eating the apple. So we need to stand up. We need to start leading. We need to start opening up. We need to prepare the destination. We need to open these things. We need to protect the relationships against lies. You need to be busy with your own sanctification. Becoming more like Christ. You need to do that. Because he will get you to meet those needs that's legitimate. I'm telling you it's legitimate. But in illegitimate ways. So what's the golden rule? It's my last point. What's the golden rule that will keep your relationship golden? I know you're waiting for it. The golden thing, this will keep you, if you can do this, if you can apply this, I'm telling you, man, oh man, are you avoiding some things. The golden rule, Matthew 22 verse 37, and he said to you, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. If you can apply this, that you will love the Lord, the Lord. What do I mean? The Master. If you can love the one and say, you are Lord over my heart. You are Lord over my mind. You are Lord over my soul. This is the golden rule. Is that you said to Him, you shall love the Lord your God. You shall take pleasure. You shall delight. You shall be satisfied. You shall be fulfilled in the Lord your God. Because our fulfillment now moves. That's why we push boundaries. Because of fulfillment. That's why we want relationships that we shouldn't get. Because we want fulfillment. That's why we go to places we shouldn't be at. Because we want fulfillment. That's why we can compromise. Because there's a longing in us. And I'm telling you most of the time this longing is present. Because you have not figured out how to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to be my all. I don't want an emptiness. I'm going in fulfilled. I'm going, and that's not saying, yeah, no, I'm independent. No. It's not saying that when you're going to a relationship. It means that you're fulfilled by the one who should fill you first. He does your husband or your future husband or your future spouse have a responsibility for love and affection? Yes. But what if they don't give it? Who's going to fulfill you? How are you going to persevere? 
How did Jesus persevere? He knew the end. He knew where he's heading. Therefore, he could take everything. And he loved the, his father with everything. He said, I do do, do nothing without my father. I don't know, do nothing with what he, with, without, what, without what he says. And I want to encourage you this morning that that's what I want to tell you. So when, you, when you're single, when you're married, or if you're an elderly person, or if you are in a courtship relationship, you're dating someone. Make sure that you go with the, to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do it with all. I want to do it with all. With everything I have. I don't want any inconsistency in my relationship with you the moment I start dating. I don't want to then stop reading my Bible. Because then it's when you spend more late nights out. When do you read? You don't read. When do you pray? You don't pray. So, but I say, Lord, I want to give you everything. Lord, there's nothing that I want to withhold. This whole relationship, I want it all. All of my heart, all of my mind. So you see, all our, our hearts are emotions. And see, when our mind sees something, it, it starts sizzling up there. It starts baking these things. And you think, and you thought, and you think, and you think. And these things become so ready that you start eating. Because you have not taken captive of your thoughts and submit them to Christ. You have not taken captive of your thoughts and you have submit them to Christ. If you want your boyfriend or girlfriend to be your future spouse who loves Christ, they better love Jesus now. They better do it now. They better do it now. If he does not love Jesus now, he will not love you. He doesn't understand love. Cry, how does he understand Christ's love if Christ didn't come into his heart? If he has no affection, no desire, no sanctification desire, I'm anxious to do the, Lord of the will of the Lord. If that, that is not in him, how do you expect him to come and do that for you? That's why I encourage, could you grow? You can grow, but I want you to stay away from the unequally yoked. Because they cannot give you this. They cannot give you the love of Christ. And brothers in, in here... If you don't love Jesus now. You see, when, I, when Joanna and I was dating, I took up that picture. And I said, if I don't sanctify her, I need to sanctify her. I need to give up myself. And I need to love the Lord my God. I need to nourish her. I need to cherish her. I need that I, that I do all these things correct. No. But I knew where I'm going. I knew what I needed to do. And I knew what I, I needed to protect and I did it with all, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, by loving the Lord. By loving the Lord. See, Paul didn't say for no reason, stay single as I am. Because the moment you get into a relationship, your attention is divided. It's more difficult. Oh, your time with the Lord has, has been disrupted. You had this, this habit, and now you don't have it anymore. Because they want to go to the movies. Or they want to eat ice cream. And now you're out until 11 midnight. You come home, you're tired. And a whole day has gone by and you have not even sat and said, Father, can I just be with you? Can I just spend some time with you? Can I just feel you? Can you just come and comfort me? Can you come and fill me? Therefore, you should love the Lord your God with everything. What I mean with everything is with everything. Not with something. With everything, from the start of your day, from when you rose from your bed, to the day you, the time you put your head down, that you give Him everything. I can guarantee you, if He does not love Jesus now, He's not going to love you. He's going to give you something. 
but I'm not sure it's the love of Christ. I'm not sure it's going to be a reflection of unconditional love. I'm not sure of that. I cannot assure you that. So if you go there, just know that you're outside of the protection. You, you, you cannot expect that. You're settling for something else. I conclude with this. This is what Jesus did for us. Jesus came. He died. For what? He gave himself up for us. For what reason? To sanctify us. What did he come? He came to nourish and cherish us. He came to get us. We sing songs of going deeper. You know what is deeper? Deeper is maturity. It's not deeper. Deeper where? Deeper is maturity. Deeper is basically more responsible, more revelation, more of Jesus. That's what's deeper. But we always want to go deeper. Yes, go deeper and obey. It says, if you love me, you'll obey me. See, because Christ came and he died and he gave himself up. And he's not uncommitted. Because we have this thing. We have this thing of when you, when you start dating and then you realize, oh man, there's a certain thing I don't like that he or she does. And then you throw the compatibility card. No, 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 we're not made for each other. No, we're, we're, we're not the right fit. Imagine if Jesus had days like that. Where's the commitment? We need commitment. Imagine Isaac, Abraham sends his servant Isaac to fetch him a wife, a wife that he knows from where. I'm not saying we're going to start doing that. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm pulling us back to a commitment. If you agreed, you agreed. Take responsibility of your, 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 your decision. Because Jesus is staying faithful to you. He's staying unwavering to you. He's unshakable to you. You want Him to remove your fear, but you don't want to come and take responsibility of someone else. Someone once quoted and said, Love is taking someone else's problem making it your own if that person is lazy it's your problem it's going to become your problem if they have bad habits it's your problem and i wish i wish if this thing i wish this this could have been a whole series because i could talk about maybe the characteristics of the perfect person but i, I can only cover this today but i are looking for commitment when you guys have agreed, when there's a mutual agreement, you've got to go for it. And remember Jesus. Remember first you give up yourself. He's not unwavering. He's not unwavering. He's not unwavering. Start with the end in mind. Make sure that there's a mutual agreement. Make sure you guys are working towards something. Keep the big picture. There's a bigger picture. It is bigger than your movie date. It is bigger than your coffee date. It is bigger than your ice cream. It is bigger than pursuing um, your dreams together. It is bigger than my preaching. It is bigger than church planting. It is bigger the representation. It is bigger. It is bigger than the carnal things. It is bigger. It is Christ. It is representing something big. And then I want you to watch out for the destroyer. It's a profound picture. 
that he's trying to destroy. And you're going to do that by keeping the golden rule. Because that's going to keep you golden. Let's rise. Let's rise. I'm off again. Yes. Um, so, Lord, I, I thank you, Father. God, this is exactly what you wanted to say this morning. God, this is exactly, Lord. God, we know the do's and the don'ts, Father. But we sometimes miss your bigger plan, Lord. And we fight these small things, God, but we have no vision. And Lord, I pray, Father, for every person, God, that is single or that are currently in a relationship, Lord. God, that you come and establish this in their hearts. Father, and I pray, Father, you come and restore of those moments someone gave up on them, Lord. Those moments someone tore their hearts apart. Those moments, Lord, where they were disappointed, Father. They thought they're in it for the big picture. And Lord, I pray that you come and restore this morning. I pray that you come and heal this morning, God. And Lord, I ask of you and I plead with you, Father, may the guys who are married, Lord, and the elderly people, Lord, take charge of us as the next generation. God, may you establish it in their hearts, Lord, that we need them, Lord. God, you said to them, teach us. Father, we're expectant. And Lord, we are raising your standard. Father, and I'm declaring it this morning, God. It is your standard that we are focusing on, Lord. Not our own. Not our own ways. Not our own definitions. But we're coming back as your song. We're coming back to the heart of worship. We're coming back to obedience back to what you want us to do Lord and God I thank you that we will see healthy marriages coming out of this sermon Lord we will see healthy couples Lord coming into marriage and those who are single Father we thank you for Christ like spouses God those men Father young men like me God who were passive like me Father I pray that you rise them up Lord For your glory, God, so that they can serve you. So, Lord, we bless you, Lord. We bless you this morning. And, Lord, I just bless everyone here, God. Father, and I just thank you for your goodness, your love, and your mercy upon us. You are so great, Father. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.